0: to Salesforce. We're joined by Alan Kingsley Perkins of Kingsley Perkins Limited. That's right. Um, but Alan comes with, well, I, I know this is going to be a very special episode because Alan comes with what we really believe to be between 30 and 40 years' experience in sales operations. Um, at companies such as IBM and Citigroup. And we also have what Alan calls Scorpio, for those people watching here, which is a self-operations framework. Exactly. That we're going to be going into more detail. Exactly. Fantastic. Um, thank you for coming in. Okay. So let me just give a slight background.
1: I emigrated to Australia paying you £10, so it was known as a £10 pom. Well right. um, oh I think I heard about this. Yeah, and then what well, it was you got paid ten pounds, we had to stay two years. Yeah. Okay, but that was no problem. So I went to Australia. For, just for, uh, which year was this? Yeah, this was seventy-four. Nineteen seventy-four, that is not eighteen seventy-four. <laughs> <laughs> so I joined an insurance company at the time selling um, domestic insurance, which is household insurance, houses, etc., in Perth. The problem we had was as we sold the policy, you were given a 30-day cover note and the policy should be with you within 30 days. Unfortunately, I was so good at selling that I sold so many policies and added policy like motor vehicles, etc., that the back office couldn't keep up. So, we investigated it because customers started complaining they weren't getting their policy, et cetera. So, we started to investigate and we looked at the operations, which is now known as sales operations, and it was a mess.
0: So, was this the, like the first, one of the first instances of official like
1: Yes, yes. those days, it used to be called Organization of Methods.
0: Yeah.
1: We analyzed the way business was done, and it was a mess. So, I came up with a, a new way of doing business. New way of issuing policies, which meant they could walk away from the policy that day. So it took off. After over about five months, we increased our sales by about six hundred percent and we kept going. The head office heard about this in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. They said, What are those lunatics in Perth up to? So they sent a couple of guys over, they saw what we we're doing. We did a flowchart, all the processes we flowcharted mm-hmm. on the wall using ASME flowcharting symbols. Wow. They couldn't believe it. So I was then moved to head office in, in Melbourne, and I introduced the same sales operations
0: model across the 32 offices across Australia. So you moved out of sales and then officially into... That's right. Fantastic. Yeah, officially into sales operations.
1: And I never looked back, I never did sales again. Um, and we tidied up the, uh, the operations, sales operations. We became the, the hub, if you like, in the, um, in the process, and we monitored and watched, bit, watched the business grow. In those days, it was uh, really over-the-counter type stuff. And then we got, got to – do you remember it was called um, uh, insurance over the phone? You could actually arrange insurance over the phone, which was fantastic news. But anyway, that was um, that was then. So we changed the company round, and we, we, we really excelled. And then my wife said to me, I'm unhappy in Australia. I want to go back to England. <laughs> so, him, so we came back yeah. to england uh where reuters the news agents had just gone public and they wanted to sell their products rapidly but they didn't have the infrastructure in the business to process the orders so i was called in to work with them across their i think it was about 12 countries across europe to put in a sales operations uh function call, cool. which we set up based in London with a sub office in Switzerland. And we ran that and the company took off and we became the center of the hub um, for following
0: the transactions right the way through. And then since then you've been consulting with sales organizations. Exactly, so since so since that, so that was
1: Rogers. And then there was a big uh, problem in the UK due to the RM uh, and Black Thursday, for those of us to remember. So I went to the Middle East where I joined Citigroup as their, uh, what's it called, um, quality director. One day they said, we want to bring in, for our sales force, we want to bring in proactive selling, and we want to pay commission. Can you please come up with a strategy, a process, etc., for us to do that? So I set about coming up with a, a modelling tool, so I could measure what we sold, how much we sold, when we sold it, how many meetings we required to sell it, uh, what products we were going to sell, who the target audiences were, and we put it all together in a big business model. We worked out the compensation required to pay the staff, so we didn't pay them too much and, and didn't pay them not enough. And over six months, our sales went through the roof again. Actually, it took off. We couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. The, the brand structure and the telephone structure and the ATM structure just all just changed dramatically across the um, Saudi Arabia so people in London, our, our email head office in London, saw this and said, thought we'd gone mad. They said, there's something wrong with the figures. The figures are too great. They can't be saying that much. So they came and saw us. And I showed them the model. showed them this. This here. And they said, this is fantastic. We can't believe this. Come and present it to London. So I went to London. I presented the pro- proposals, et cetera. Uh, the process, everything we were doing we, said, we can't believe this I got invited to New York to present in New York and I was told this is now the Citigroup sales operation model, go back to EMEA and implement it across the 16 countries so I spent the next 4 years travelling 16 countries across EMEA, implementing it, sales went through the roof which is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. and as you know this, this Citibank share
0: price shot through the roof because of the, mm-hmm. the, the volume
1: can we talk about
0: to jump in? Sorry, um, yeah. technology and the most recent company that you were consulting with or working with. Yeah, what was the technology stack they were using? Salesforce.
1: Salesforce was the one which most companies, well, all the companies I've worked for, have, have you, used. Yeah, I'm a Salesforce administrator. Um, I know how it all works. I can, I can run it. Like a well, a well-tuned vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's really the basis
0: for the—that's like the core. But were they using, or have you had experience with any other tools that kind of sit on top of Salesforce?
1: No, the biggest tool we've used, obviously, is, fortunately is Excel. Yeah, because yeah. we've downloaded stuff from uh, Salesforce into Excel, and then you can manipulate it further. I know there are tools out there uh, which you can, which are better, obviously, better than Excel, uh, which lecture on top of the on top of uh, Salesforce, which yeah. does this stuff, but. Generally speaking, the problem we've I've had is that everything is required now, and to bring in new technology can take time, can take effort, and they, they need the information now. We need to make the changes now. Salesforce is changing, evolving as we were doing it, so we were latching on to the new additions uh, uh, of Salesforce, so that was moving on. Business was changing, so you needed to, to look at the change. The focus of the business constantly is constantly changing, so... You're really panicking, running, and trying to get management commitment to taking time and saying you're not going to see the results for this for twelve months, but you need to invest in this software. Particularly in the, in the software industry itself, mm-hmm. there's no there's there's there, no patience to wait for, wait this time. Things have to have to have to happen now. Quarterly targets have to be met, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, to me, that was always stumbling block to moving on from
0: what we had while we're talking about crm um how have you historically managed the quality of the data in salesforce yes quality in
1: in salesforce is subject to the training and the discipline of those people who use it most of the companies i've worked with are made up of several smaller companies which have been merged bought over etc and so the background information they have is is being different. So to try and link that together, so you can get history, has been nigh impossible. So you you could you're, you're limited sometimes like to two years information because, prior to that, the, the, the systems are so different. So first thing to first thing is training, making sure everybody knows the importance of accurate, correct data going in. Um, which brings us to this emotive thing about salespeople. I'm a salesman. I don't. I'm not interested in sales It's your job. I sell. I communicate. No, you don't. Unfortunately, because you have to put the data in here, um, which is where we we come in to make sure that they put the data in correctly. Uh, and you can run programs which shows if the data is not correct uh, and pick out. It always comes down to a number of individuals. Okay. So if you've got a sales force of twenty people, you'll find it's four. (laughs) It's four of them who can't be bothered because
0: they're they're so good at selling that they don't have to worry. So what do you do about those four people? Do you like bring them into a room and explain, or yes, sit them down? Yes, it depends. It depends. So if
1: you if you've got a long sales um, cycle and and most of your sales is to do with large corporations where you've got to get stakeholders, etc. Then, in those cases, we sometimes give an administrative assistant to two. So this person will look after your admin. You do the uh, the top level diplomatic stuff, and we will, we will manage the rest of it because we can't trust we can't trust the data you are giving us. It was a small organisation with a fast turnaround time of uh, cycle. You to get the job done. Get the job done. Just do it. Don't, we don't. I'm not interested if you were out, you couldn't get into Salesforce. I'm not interested. Mm. Do it. Because interestingly enough, there's a correlation between those people who don't do it mm. and the success yeah. is vast. On the top end, it's because they're successful and they're mm. doing their job. On the part they're actually not very good. Yeah. So you've got to train them up, make sure they're doing the
0: job. And, and, and that's where you get your staff turnover from. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so, apart from getting people to put the data in, in the system, how else will you get buy-in from the sales team to do something different? Do you just literally sit them down and tell them to do it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is, it's is sort of a win-win
1: situation. Why am I doing this? Why am I buying, What do I get from it as an individual salesperson? Well, you get statistics of where you're, where you're standing. You get our support if you're not getting enough uh, leads. You get our support if there's a problem with the leads with which you get. There's our support if there's a problem with the processes. But we have to have the information in the system to enable us to support you. And most of the time, they see it and they pick it up and they run with it. It's like having no smoking policies. We want, we're not going to smoke in this office. Can we get your guarantee you won't smoke in the office? Yes. Okay, so we now starting. We've agreed we won't do it. Mm. So they do it, they're, <laughs> they're in trouble. And it's the same thing with data quality and uh, putting in the data. And if you can show them, if you can do some examples and say, look, here's a report we're running with data, with that um, data because we don't have it. Mm. But this is what it points to. These are the decision support information we can get from this. If we can get that decision support, which means we can better target our market, which means we can better target our products, which means we can increase our sales side, which means we can
0: increase your commission, can we get your commitment to it? That's nice. And guess what happens? <laughs> yes. That, that's a really nice way of thinking about it. Like bring it all the way back to what they actually care about. That's right. Which is the yeah, their commission. Themselves
1: as well, yeah. And, the, the, you know, it's, it's often say so salespeople are only interested in their commission work. You can actually turn that around a bit further mm-hmm. so they're also committed to the business they're working mm-hmm. for.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and that's the, that's the way you do it to get that buy-in. And then you've got uh, reward programs. You've got the, um, the, the uh, what's it called, benefits you can get um, if you do the job properly. And the, the, the stick if you don't. Yeah. So the carrot stick work in most most cases but you need to be onto it you need to see it you need to have the energy to constantly watch what's going on but if you slip management and the business concentrates on what management looks at so if you take your eye off it it will slip it will slip so, right. it's, 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 so you've got to constantly look at those kpis look at the vital few measures and make sure that they are reflecting what you're interested in is your business and concentrating your efforts on
0: sure um moving on to onboarding salespeople do you have any stories or experience of effective or ineffective onboarding
1: yes onboarding starts off with recruitment if you recruit the wrong person then your onboarding is not going to work too well if your company is suffering from a slightly higher staff turnover and you're not particularly got a very good um, uh, name in the market then that will affect the type of people you're going to be able to recruit um, so that's a, so you started for 10 is saying we can we recruit the people we need with the skills knowledge and experience which matches our company. So that's the first thing. The second thing to do is have a proper structured induction program, similar to in schools when somebody new chap starts in school they have a friend. So this is going to be look after you in the first few weeks while you get engaged. That's us. That's sales operations. Mm. Okay, it's making sure they've got their laptop making sure that it works, making sure they've got, they've got their um, ID code for salesforce.com, making sure they've gone through the three-day training course, how to use Salesforce. Three-day. Three-day training course. We used to try and do it in a day. I know that. We used it the last couple of days I worked out. That's funny. We don't understand that part. Well, we didn't use that part. So that's why you start yeah. the day. You know, most companies only use, I record, between 5 and 6% of Salesforce's capability it's a record. That's all. So it's three day, three days um, training on Salesforce with a structured program. We print, uh, print screens and explain every field on those screens what it actually means. Um, and then we run them through. We do. We've got a obviously mock up so we can run them through uh, various a- activities to follow it all right the way through. Um, and then at the end of it, they get a certificate. So I'm now Salesforce. Um, qualified uh, and as a, as a salesperson and we're going to continue to monitor them through it, got it. but that's the key is, is is that first two weeks into job to make sure they've got yeah. it and then before that is actually trying to get the right people as well that's right and that's a disaster uh, you, know, you can spend three weeks and train somebody up you could tell they say you can tell the person within the first 30 seconds you can tell within <laughs> very quickly if this person can take on board uh the the processes which are required to do the job Uh, and it's as i say it's back down to uh hr and in the uh, recruitment process but generally speaking it works generally speaking if you're in tune and in the correlation with your hr it works because right. if it doesn't if, if, if the business can suffer you've got 20 sales staff i, I, I model this so I've, I've shown the business what happens you've got 20 sales staff and you lose two that can impact dramatically on your bottom line on the sales and if one of those is one of your top sales people and they leave halfway through the year it takes three years to get his back that, that numbers back mm-hmm. up and we model this and we show it to the managers and the business and say look that's the that's, this is the what will happen? So first of all, how long did it take when you bring a new person in to become competent and start making the numbers? Three months. How long did it take after they become competent, become professional? Another three months. How long after that because before they become excellent? Three months. So you look at a nine-month cycle mm-hmm. before you get to that level of your top five percent yet, yeah. which is what obviously what you're aiming for. Really, anything less
0: than that is less than perfect. Mm-hmm. And on that topic, how have you historically made salespeople more productive?
1: The various aspects of productivity. First of all, it's their own productivity. How many meetings can they do? How many customer meetings, how many phone calls, et cetera? What is their capacity within the business? And are they matching that capacity? I do four sales calls a week? Well, unfortunately, four sales calls a week is not good. Make the numbers through our modelling, we are able to show you need to do three a day. Okay, for example, this so you yeah. need to do three calls a day um, to, to make this. That's one hour each, so it's still only three hours. You're working eight hours, still got five hours um, to get where you go, etc., whatever. So let's say you do three three meetings a week, uh, three meetings a day, and it takes three meetings to close a deal. Okay, so now I've got a specific number. I will say if you can can you agree as a salesperson, can you agree to do three meetings a day? Yes. Can you agree that you can use your, your level of knowledge skills and you can close the deal within three meetings? Yes. Okay. So if you do that, then you will make your number. We've identified that. It may be four meetings today, but we've yeah. identified, okay. So if you guarantee to do that, we will guarantee to Generate enough leads, qualified leads, for you to meet your target. Okay, so if if we say to in order to meet your target, we've got to give you fifty leads per week. There we are. So based on that three fifty leads
0: per week, based on the sales conversion rates, etc., we make the business happen. Okay. So you're so you're essentially getting the salesperson to agree to you what they're going to commit to yes. in exchange for what you're going yes. to commit to. Yes. Now those leads are they. Are sales operations responsible for finding these, or is that marketing? Or yes,
1: it's marketing. So, is it is marketing a customer of sales, or is it an independent function? Some of it's an independent function, but lead generation is a customer of sales, as 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 required. So, if we require three thousand leads per week, we want commitment to three thousand leads per week. If they say we can only give you two, I don't need so many sales people. Yeah. Or, or geographically, I don't think they can't do it. So there's no point in me saying to a salesperson, can you do three meetings a day for, if there's only a need to do two because we can't generate the leads for yeah. them? Okay. So, so that's where you get the buy in from that side. And then you come down to a very tricky question what is a lead? <laughs> what is a lead? Is it a mm-hmm. telephone book? There you go. There's is it a telephone book? Is it a voting register? Is it everybody within a certain age? Is it this? Is it that? So you've got to agree what a lead actually is when it reaches a salesperson. And we say it should be a qualified lead, i.e. it's somebody who will be interested in buying our product. Because if it's not, you're spinning your wheels. Okay, So most companies have a telesales function to start off with to to generate interest. Only when that interest is generated does it then go to the salesperson to follow through. Other companies don't do that they have a third party to generate a list which then gets split up to the sales people the yeah. sales people say well we, we've we've said three calls to close the deal I'm actually uh, 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 I'm getting five calls and even then I'm not closing the deal so that's always a dilemma every single organization I've been with mm-hmm. the problem has been generating sufficient leads to feed the, the sales, sales funnel yeah and you can't you can't get it and, and, and senior management have got fantastic ideas we're going to travel our business by the year end we're going to get six percent of the market share we're going to get 12 percent of the market share before this all lovely stuff it's all chest beating stuff but when you use the statistical information which yeah. we in salesforce have and we could trust we could then go back and say look we agree with your aspiration it's just not going to happen yeah. find a way to make it happen No, we can't it doesn't work and all you're doing is looking for a car crash sometime this quarter or next quarter yeah and then if you move forward with that with the forecasting and you're now going to miss you this quarter because you've overstated your, your, your target what do they what do companies do they start to bring forward deals from next quarter into this quarter and how do you do that Heavy discounts. So you know you start discounting, you start reducing your value. And guess what? When you get to the next quarter, where'd you leave now? Mm-hmm. You've just they're gone. So it's that sort of statistical knowledge which sales which the sales operations team are able to provide to the business to make sure they make the right decision. Yep. And if they don't treat the sales operations with that sort of level of um, business professional respect they could they, they lose
0: yeah.
1: yeah so that's so let's put Salesforce actually the fifth seat at the table but finance technical well if you've got I forget what the five are now all is one of them but the, the fifth one is
0: sales operations um, okay can we talk about KPIs um, and if you had one metric or KPIs to judge Your sales team, if you're running one right now, what would you choose? The the biggest KPI would have to be uh, performance against target because that's
1: really your target is what everything's based upon, achieving Mm -hmm. that. So your key KPI is making sure that you are reaching that target.
0: Uh, So is revenue, yes?
1: Yes, revenue. So there's three. There's revenue, uh, there's there's, new um, sales, which leads it so you've got upgrades new sales and revenue the three together those three uh, because that's what uh, that's what the business from the shareholders will be looking for etc mm. so they're the number one v, VFM, VFM a few meters as well they're known as so um, that's what we we would concentrate on but behind that is all the other Aspects of the, the across the Scorpio network. Yeah. Which
0: well, why, well, why don't we talk about the Scorpio network? Yeah, For okay. A so, um, because we can actually find this online, right? It's on my profile. And, uh, we will link below well, wherever you're consuming this, there'll be a link below to this. Yeah, that's right. On my Facebook page,
1: it's there. You can see this. Mm. So, this was developed basically in Citigroup in Saudi Arabia when we first started to, to um, get involved in. <clears throat> proactive selling Mm -hmm. so the first thing we did which is where Scorpio so Scorpio stands for sales planning compensation organization design results tracking prospect management internal metrics and operational support now this start with operational support sales operations and the sales force is only one aspect of selling it's got to be the whole company it's got to be involved in selling whether you're debt collecting whether you're processes the orders whatever your job is in the business you have a responsibility to generate sales if not directly then to the sales people so that last one operational support says because we must the business do everything we possibly can to support the growth so going back to these is the uh, the first one is sales planning what i mentioned when i first joined you is um what is the model what can we sell how many meters can we achieve each day who can do this? How many meetings does it take to, to, to close a sale? So that's the modeling. So that's the first one is modeling the business. So you know, based upon the numbers of staff you've got, based on their, their experience, as I mentioned, the 25% new, 50% qualified, and 25% excellent salespeople. Based upon those fundamentals, you can now model your salespeople. And then it's working out how much we're going to pay them, First of all, in the basic and commission, you've got to work that out correctly. Otherwise, you'll get silly situations where people are walking away with vast amounts of money, uh, but not very many sales. So, that's got to be right. You've got to, um, in addition to that, I've put these on again. Um, and then you've got performance incentives, where that's a, a, a team, and you put the team numbers together as well. So, that helps them through it. And then uh, incentives for other members of staff within the business. Uh, to, to generate leads for you. Organisation design, critical. a critical aspect is the organisation design. Too many businesses act in silos, straight lines. This is us, this is us, this is us. If you look at my business card, you see it's got a musical note on it. I forget what it's called. And that really says, to make your business run, you have to have harmony. You can't have silos. Business has got to run in harmony, which means they've got to have the same objectives to meet. You can't have one department having one objective and department having another which conflicts. It ruins the business. So let's make sure that you, the organization is designed for it to support every aspect together in harmony. Results tracking, this is the key, this is Salesforce. Okay, so what are we gonna measure? What are we going to measure, it? how are we going to measure it, and who are we going to report this to? And is it going to be a statistic, or is it going to be a decision support information? And our view is, well, my view is, it's got to be decision support. We are 30% of our target so far this quarter, big deal, so what? Well. It means nothing. Unless it drives action. Is this good? Is this where we should be? Is this right for the time? Or are we behind? Maybe we're ahead. So we need to understand what, what it means. So this is your results tracking, prospect management. Prospect management. Thank you very much. So we've we mentioned this before. Where, where are these going to come from? They're going to be coming from cold calling. Are they to be coming from uh, other marketing activities. Who they're going to come to? Who's going to manage them? How they're going to get allocated to the salespeople, etc. All those aspects of uh, prospects. Need to be managed. And we've got this software, etc., to, 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 to manage that and to look at it. Mm-hmm. So on, the last one, internal metrics. Internal metrics. Yes, that's everybody again. So that's saying internal metrics says if we want to grow our business, we want the voice of the customer and the voice of the employee. I can't have employees leaving. I can't do it. It affects my business. High turnover damages the business. So I can't have. So I need to find out through the voice of the employee that they're happy. Obviously the voice of the customer <laughs> I need to understand whether my customers are happy. Are we good and easy to do business which is which is really the basics of that How easy is it for us to do business? Everybody on this call buys stuff from the internet How easy is it some companies you could put your details in and bang, your bullshit is done. Others, where's that pay code? Plus, the page's page gone. Yeah. <laughs> it says there, it's going to pass me through to payments. It didn't pass me through. I spent three hours. So I might as well have gone to um, uh, Halford to this myself.
0: <laughs> so that's really there. How easy are we to do business with? Got um, it. To, to round out, and uh, as a reminder, everybody can go to a link below to yep. download this completely. Yep. So, yeah, there's a lot more detail. We haven't been able to go into yep. everything in Scorpio. Um, but my final question is who has taught you the most? About in your career. I think I don't think it's been an individual
1: I, I would bet I could say, I could mention a couple of individuals who have prompted me to, um, to push this through the first one I have to say was in Saudi Arabia the uh, princess I, I can't mention the name because uh, I think I, I think probably get <laughs> into trouble. yeah um, but through her commitment to us What's the word? Giving the authority. That's the word I'm looking for. To give the authority for us to make decisions to do things. Mm. And so many companies restrict you from doing that. They put you in a box and you keep you in a box. But good senior executives take the and allow you to mm. prove it. Do it. Okay, you make a few mistakes, but prove it. So that's one. The other guy in Australia, Jeff, he was the same. Uh, he was the guy who spotted me in person, brought mm. me to, to, to Melbourne. In Reuters, it was a guy called uh, Stuart. Unfortunately, he has gone now, but he was the same. Same. Giving you the ability and the scope to do it. Mm-hmm. to Get out and just do it without being held back all the
0: time. Got it. Well, that was yeah. a lot of wisdom in our 30 minutes. Yeah. Anything else? Any final words before we finish? Yes. yes.
1: If you want a good sales operations function, seek out the decision
0: so seek out the,
1: the shakers and movers in your business, the people who solve problems, those people who find that an issue and fix it, okay? They're there. They may not be in sales operations. Now they might be finance. Mm-hmm. They might be technical. But there's a spark of people there who understand the business enough, understand the approach enough to fix problems. Grab those people, three, whatever the size of your business you need, and put them in sales operations and free them up take them away from the strands. They're there. They're fixing the problem. That might be a secretary. Yeah. It might be a clerk. It might be whoever. They're, they're there. Everybody them. knows them because guess what? They're the go-to people. Uh-huh. They're so the go-to. But why would you take them from where they are in the business and sales operations? Because they can do a much broader business-wide and uh, effective uh, activity Got rather it. than be kept within yeah. that. Yeah. And they will do it. And they still do what they did in their own departments. Yeah. But they can broaden out. And if you get three or four people and they all work together, you become a, a, a team of excellence. And then senior management starts to use them and use them for proper business
0: analysis, proper sales operational effectiveness, and you watch the business grow. Got it. So that is what I want to finish on is if well, if you're currently in sales operations or sales leader or the find the people in the other departments who are super effective. Bring them together so they can have a bigger impact on the growth of the business. Yes, exactly. Alan, thank, thank you so you much know. for
1: your
0: time. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales of Demystified podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at TomHunt at Ebster.com. That's TomHunt at Ebster.com.